learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. It is very possible to share the same core values yet differ in religious or political views. This we must understand when hiring new people. You might be thinking something like, we already have a very harmonious team and we don't want someone who's bringing their strong political, religious, or social agenda into our environment. Then build the practice into your corporate values and let it blossom throughout the company. After all, we are servants to the business and what is good for the business is innovation, diversity, and growth, all of which are fueled by proper value alignment. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Bianca Larger. She is the president of Social Intelligence Corporation. By driving the vision of social intelligence to provide productive, ethical, and innovative solutions, she has spent her time working closely with Fortune 500 companies and nonprofits alike to create safe and discrimination free workplaces. Bianca obtained her MBA from Pepperdine University with a concentration on dispute resolution and is a LinkedIn learning instructor. She is an expert in consumer reporting focused on online risk for human resources, which is what makes Bianca the perfect expert for today's topic. Bianca, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Hi, Rick. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So today we're going to discuss valid reasons not to hire or to hire based on a person and social profile. We're going to talk about the pitfalls of that whole thing, which can be a mess. And then we're going to talk about how to properly use social media background check to limit your company liability. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. What are the challenges with conducting a social media check? Why is it bad for me to just... I do this all the time, by the way. I'll talk to somebody. I'll go, okay, let's check them on Facebook. Of course. Here we are all day, keyboards in our hand, Facebook at the ready. And that's the way it goes sometimes. At the very least, pulling up their LinkedIn, taking out their history. That's also some of the purposes of social networking and social media profiles is to connect with people and to see a little bit of who they are. It's very natural. The whole point of that is, can I trust this person? Is this someone that I'm going to be able to trust and see? The problem arises when you're doing that for the purpose of hiring someone somebody. There's several reasons why uh, it's problematic, but the biggest overarching theme there is a bias that it can create without you even necessarily meaning to do so. You can't help it. You find out a whole lot of information by pulling up somebody's profile sometimes. And we all have our own thoughts, value systems, belief systems, and we just can't help but judge folks. And sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. And that opens up a whole can of worms because there's actually potentially legal consequences there. There's certainly potentially business outcomes that you either miss or you absolutely avoid or disrupt completely by doing that. So well, you manage it, it creates bias. But how does it create bias? If you're looking at somebody's pictures and maybe reading some of their posts, doesn't that give you an idea of the truth of who they are? Sometimes also we start to create narratives in our head about who this person is. And <laughs> so if you see those party pictures from Cancun, that gives you <laughs> sure. an idea that somebody... Yeah, it could be as innocuous as that. And not only that, but incredibly inefficient. Rick, you have better things to do with your time than to scroll through somebody's Cancun pictures, however entertaining that might be sometimes. <laughs> but truly, 
I mean, that's a part of the equation here too. Not only can you have this bias and not necessarily what criteria are you using? Are you looking at the right, Rick? Are you just going down the rabbit hole and taking a look at vacation photos? What set of circumstances are you actually applying? And are you doing that consistently across the board that reflects your organization's values, the outcomes that you want to drive? If you're just willy-nilly taking a look, again, there's that narrative that you're creating and you're potentially just wasting a bunch of time. Yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of assumptions that are being made as you're looking at these things too. It's not going to help you gain clarity other than probably if you go deeper in on some of the content and you find some things that are potentially threatening to the company. That's a little bit of the point too. And that's why we kind of can't help ourselves to kind of play detective or be like, oh, let me just see what this person's really up to. And that's fine. But what criteria are you really considering? What is problematic and what isn't? What is the line that you draw in terms of hate speech? It's a very complex and complicated situation now more than ever. I think we all are very unclear almost as to what is, what isn't and all this kind of stuff. And so how do you even know what you know. And I got to say, like, this is way getting into it. But when we look at hate speech or hate groups, we actually look at resources or sources that people have defined these things. And so some of the stuff is not what appears to be. So you could also just be missing stuff that you wouldn't even know that folks aren't participating in. And it's just complicated. It's really complicated. Each platform is complicated. It's important to note that if you have a strong interview process, and you've gotten somebody to the point where you're considering hiring them, and you're starting to say, well, we should check out their social profiles, check references, do that sort of thing. Sure. If you've got a strong interview process, you're probably not going to find any surprises. But if you don't, you've been making assumptions all through the process up until that point anyway. Yeah. And most of the time that is what offer, pre-offer, right around offer is about the time where you are doing those final criminal background checks, which sometimes you even feel like are just like dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Every now and then there is something that comes back. I mean, generally speaking, in most industries, hit rates are fairly low for criminal courts, which a hit rate means when somebody has a criminal history. So it more often than not, those things are going to be in the clear. There's not going to be a, necessarily a risk factor that you need to consider further. It tracks with social media as well. It also like begs the question that are you just wasting your time then by trying to create a narrative that may or may not be true? And if there is something that is problematic, do you have a formalized process really to figure out what those things are and track that and then act accordingly? And of course, in a legally defensible manner, which is a whole thing. So then essentially, if you have that urge where you want to check somebody's social profile, you're better off to actually outsource that to somebody who does that professionally. Yeah, I would say that you really want to think about how to formalize that process, period. If you are going to take on that Most startups don't formalize any process. They're like, they're just going, right? (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah. This is always the challenge that I have with a lot of people that I know is that they're going so hard. It's easier for them to just look at all their social profiles then to say, okay, Bianca, I have somebody I'm thinking about hiring. Can you do a check on this for me? Yeah, totally. And as entrepreneurs, as small business folks, you're just trying to get through a lot of tasks a lot of times. To me, that just begs the question even more that why are you sitting there trying to Google somebody? And first of all, you're at best going to spend five, 10 minutes, or if you assign somebody else to do it, are they even going to look at it at the same lens that you would be? It's just inefficient. It's just not, that's just, it's just not something that you know much about. It's just, it's not something you should be wasting your time on basically. 100%. What are the problems with you doing that though? How can that hurt your company? There is protected class information that's on social media. There is a potentially legal issue that you 
you might get yourself into. And this happens in small businesses all the time, kind of doing things willy nilly. And you don't even know that you're breaking the rules by breaking the rules and stuff. People can let things slip really easily like that. I have heard this many, many times when folks come to us to say people found out that I was Googling and caused panic. Or on the other end of it, clients will come to us and say, my marketing guy saw something that my sales guy posted. And now I have like an internal war over here because something he posted has caused a problem in the workplace. So when you're trying to put out this fire on your own, first of all, you have other problems to deal with and stuff. And when you're trying to deal with it on your own, there really isn't a methodology there. There really isn't something that you can fall in line with. And look, nobody wants to get sued. Nobody needs a lawsuit to deal with and nobody needs nonsense to deal with unnecessarily. So outside of wasting your time doing it yourself, are you missing stuff? Is it stuff that you might not see that is going to cause a problem later? You're not really doing it as thoroughly as you should. And beyond that, you're bringing your own biases onto this. So even if you do make like a gut decision, which like that's what we do all day long, you one could be missing out on great talent or number two, you might actually be discriminating against somebody. And for reasons that just aren't really business related whatsoever, they're at worst illegal for you not to hire somebody. And at best, just not a really good set of circumstances that your your criteria that you're using to whether somebody's a fit for your organization or a fit for the role. So the unintended consequences are, is really potentially disruptive to the business, bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do yourself... DIY is not a good option. No, I mean, even just from your day-to-day work, it's disruptive. Get this off your list. Like, this is just not something you need to do. Don't even put it on your list. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Bianca Lager. She is the president of Social Intelligence Corp. I pronounced your last name right, right? Yeah, it's just like the beer. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. No I had a little doubt up. that crept into my head as we were talking there. It looks fancier than it appears, but it's the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And we're talking about social profiles and running them before you make a hire. Let's talk about implementing a proper social media check. The best way to do it, as we've probably established, is to reach out to a professional like yourself. Is it super costly for a startup to have you run a check on somebody? No. I mean, some of these checks run for as low as $10 each. So 10 bucks. 10 bucks, right? And so you're like, again, <laughs> back to our conversation of like, don't put this on your list for 10 bucks. What's it to you? It crosses the things that you need in, in terms of business related material, but also is very digestible and isn't going to create legal issues for you or anything like that. Yeah. And if you run a full background check on somebody, you get that peace of mind and you're going to cover yeah. everything. And that's probably under a hundred bucks. Exactly. All in, in terms of your other types of background checks. Yeah. I mean, generally even less than 50 with whatever it is that you're doing, but it depends on what the role is the person, all this kind of stuff. But the idea in obviously the point that we're making is there is vetting that needs to happen. Even if you have a million conversations with somebody and you feel really good about it, but we worked with Fortune 100 companies and some of their top executives who you would think would be vetted through many lenses have that old tweet. No, but a lot of people don't vet. Most people don't check references either. And there's a reason for it. It's because most of the references are provided by the employee. They've already been pre-selected. And so the thought is that those people are just going to give good review anyway, because they know the person or they're friends with them. Yeah. And talk about a time waster as somebody running an entrepreneurial environment who has time for that. And not only that, but you trust yourself and your own instincts quite a bit. And so you want to get a feel for it. And so that's, again, the 
idea behind looking at somebody's social media, it's the only data source too. I mean, talking about other background checks, it's the only data source that does give you that behavioral insight that's real time. This is right now, today, the moment in time that we're looking at this person's online footprint. And it's not just social media. I mean, when we talk about like social media, sure, you're going to pull up somebody's Facebook, but we find stuff like really, what is the polite way to say this? I guess I, I do. Oh, say it unpolitely. Like... <laughs> we're that. Well, there's all sorts of very intense porn that we find on Amazon wishlist, for example, that people don't realize that they're sharing publicly. And it is, it's not, it's not the soft stuff, folks. So that's something you can't unsee if you're an entrepreneur. You don't actually need to see that, do you? You also want to talk about a harmonious work culture. What if your other employee finds that or your client, are they a client facing person and your client Googles them or something? It's just like, oh my gosh, like damage control. So it's a lot about getting ahead of some of that stuff or at the very least talking to the person that you're hiring and saying, yo, this isn't a great look and we do have a set of conduct that we want to uphold. So could you take it down at the very least? So walk me through the steps that you need to roll into your company that would set up policy for this. First and foremost, obviously, seek legal counsel. That's always a good idea to ensure that you're doing things the right way. And my legal counsel, it would behoove them if I didn't give the legal disclaimer that I cannot give legal advice as the lawyers do and say. But yeah, first and foremost, you want to understand what is okay and what's not okay. Do you even have a code of conduct? Do you have any kind of employee handbooks or any kind of basic conduct that is acceptable in the workplace? Most of the stuff is templated stuff. You can find it. Take a template and then build it out for your company environment to where it fits your business. And it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that long. I have this argument all the time. I can't take a day to do this. Yeah, you can because it's only going to benefit you. 100%. Some of these things are really business 101 too. If you hire employees, period, you do need to have some standards for legal purposes in terms of a safe workplace, a productive workplace, and all things like that. Especially if you live in the People's Republic of California, (laughs) like you and I both do, Rick, that's a very employee-friendly state. And so you have to be aware of your jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of your employees. We all are remote a lot of the time. You have to understand the laws that apply to them in their area. Most of the time we have HR platforms and stuff that make it easy for us. So most of the stuff is housed or can be found within that. So in terms of social media, it's really just about making sure that you think about how social media applies to that. All of us have clients. All of us are selling something. And so you do want to have that extra care and thought towards publicity and a public nightmare and make sure that you're putting out policies within your organization that are going to represent your company well. And that's all that people are really wanting. And when I say that, this isn't like, this isn't only say good stuff about the company. This is like, don't say racist stuff. Don't be violent don't commit crimes and don't post sexually explicit stuff. It can be a two to three sentence, this isn't okay here kind of a thing. So we're creating a policy that's the first step. What we're looking at is what you can and cannot do, what is actionable and what mitigates the risk for the company. And again, you can spend a day doing it now or you can spend five to 10 days later in court defending yourself at some point (laughs) later on down the road. And truly some of this stuff doesn't necessarily even take that long. And here I am, this is our company and what we do every day. So a lot of this stuff can be supplied by a vendor. You call them up and you say, what do I do? And they're like, okay, let me walk you through it. Here's a template of this. Here's that. Sign up here. And you can get started within a couple hours. I mean, this isn't something that isn't necessarily, you have to reinvent the wheel or you have to have several meetings about, or you have to 
clear out of your calendar to think about it for four hours. It really can be copy and pasted, sign up, get going, pay the 10 bucks and you're off to the races. Got it. Okay. So the first step is create a policy. What's second? The second one is the legal requirements. So this is a background check. If you're doing other background checks, it should happen about at the same time. So operationally figure out who's going to order the background check. How does that work? Get yourself set up technically with the platform that you're going to use. Make sure that if it's yourself or a staff member, they know what they're doing and what's required. Disclosures and authorizations and any background check are required. So generally they're the same as other kind of background checks. So you just have to get those ducks in a row and just make sure that you have those things organized. And then in that background check, what is it that you're actually vetting? Like, what are you pulling from to provide back that, again, I'm sure you ignore the pictures in Cancun, but what are the things that flag? So our company and our approach, the approach that social intelligence takes is an adverse, potentially adverse content approach. So we are looking to see if there is business related, potentially adverse content. Okay. And that's a very wordy way to say risky stuff online. And the four main and universal categories that we look at for most clients are intolerant. So racism, hate speech, sexism, everything in that large bucket. Does that include trolling? It can if it has an intolerant nature. Trolling could also fall under a second category, which is potentially violent. So you have things that are harassing and actually threatening towards another individual that can definitely start reaching into that category. Um, Another category is potentially illegal. So those break down into several subsections, mostly. If you think about social media and the way people behave like psychologically online, it's bragging about stealing stuff. It's bragging about doing drugs. Those are sort of the main things. I love those videos of people who post themselves doing stuff like that. And then they get caught and they're like, wonder how that happened. Or at work, people will post themselves doing it at work and they think it's hilarious. And memes and things that are like, here's one of our favorite. We have a hall of shame, like a wall of shame of some of the good, the funny ones we've got. One of my favorite is Kermit doing a little blow. And he's talking about (laughs) like how pre-workout doesn't work for him anymore. And it's like a meme or whatever, but it's like... (laughs) So Wait, is that something that's flagged? It's yeah, just, it is. Absolutely. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, it is... Until it's legal. Well, sure. But also, it isn't necessarily a death sentence for your job, though. And so here's a really good point. What are we looking for when we look at these large buckets of information? I should add sexual explicit in there. But to talk about the drug thing, this is the kind of stuff that an employer, it can create problems in the workplace. If this person actually does have a drug problem or something that has anything to do with issues like that, at the end of the day, employers are asking to see this information because they need to do some damage control ahead of time. Sometimes it is innocuous and it's kind of a funny meme like that. And if it's just like a one-off meme, they're just like, can you just take that down? Like, come on, that's kind of in poor taste, you know? Okay, so I find that kind of funny. I thought it was funny. But in context, this is my problem with where the world is going as far as censorship and humor. It's subjective. And now it could be called out every time. And Listen, party on. You're not going to go to jail. (laughs) But you can't work here. And you can't work here and also have that publicly available to where our clients can see that and maybe sending out the wrong message about who we are as a company or who we hire or what kind of workplace culture that we have. And it's not universal across. So that Kermit the Frog example is a really good example of one company that might be a hard no for them. And another company might be like, well, 
that's harmless. Yeah. So there definitely is a sense of like, who are you guys? What's your tolerant level here? But to your point, yeah, sure. I mean, post it all day long, but you might not be able to work here. So create a policy. Third party solution is like the next piece. And then documentation. So what kind of documentation they need? Definitely. Well, so the policy already goes into that. And again, when you're reaching out to a provider and having a third party solution, this is going to be automatically documented for you. Part of doing the report and seeing the candidate data and report being completed, that is being all documented and well organized. So when you get the report back, you want to have a nice system of deciding whether Kermit matters or not. So again, most of the time a provider can help you figure out how to do that. We have a short training program, it takes an hour. We have three different assessment models that you can help figure out if Kermit matters to your organization or not, what kind of action you can take based off that and make it consistent across your board. So those are the types of things you want to document and just make sure. But again, this is actually fairly simple stuff that can be done in an afternoon or so just to say, all right, what are we going to do this report then? Judy, are you going to look at it? What are you going to do next after you see this report? And just sort of lay out what that process looks like. It's really important to note that you really need to tie these to your core values of your organization, because if you don't, if they aren't who you are, then you can get yourself into trouble as well. And a lot of times, actually, when we go through the training, to your point, that's what surfaces, especially for a lot of organizations that haven't documented their core values or really even done the exercise to think about what they are. They are starting to ask themselves, what would our clients think about this content? What would other employees think about this? And it helps them sort of form those set of values or identity if you haven't done that already. Got it. Shoot, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into the business today? Certainly formalize your approach here. And again, for 10 bucks, get it off your list. <laughs> Take it off your list. Don't even put it on your list. Do something else to think about it. When you're thinking about social media in general, creating a two to three sentence policy that is something that you're going to decide to have a basic set of conduct on social media that is acceptable to you or not. And the formula that we always talk about quite a bit is consistency plus documentation plus policy equals actionable. So you have those things lined up. You can take action. You can feel like you are in a legally defensible position and you're not wasting your time or your team's time doing inefficient stuff. Bianca, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community now. What would be the best way in which members of our audience can find you, your company, find out a little bit more about you and maybe engage in your services? Yeah, absolutely. So socialintel.com, just hit us up on the contact page. Let us know that you came from the Higher Power podcast listening world here and we'll definitely hook you up with that $10 pricing moving forward. So thanks for everybody. Boom. Yeah, hoping to talk to Look you. Look at you dropping discounts. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power Radio. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colbert, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening. We welcome your feedback after all this show is for you. Real quick plug, my book, Healing Career Wounds, is going to be linked here. It comes out on May 20th. If you're an entrepreneur and you're having any hiring challenges, you need to check it out. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D, or you can drop me an email at rickardstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Robert Glazer. He is the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Turner.